Welcome back to Yang Daily. I'll be your host, Alex Cheney, bringing you all the Yang news you need to live your life right. With inflation running rampant in the media, I hereby declare this the monetary episode. All money, all the time, baby. We'll be digging into inflation and also some very interesting intersections of crypto and UBI. You won't want to miss this. Let's go. Quick shout out to our tier 3 patrons, Shay Mian and Nathan Stankowski, as well as all our other patrons. You keep us all informed and engaged. If any of you out there want to join these advocates of humanity first and independent journalism, head on over to patreon.com slash yangdaily. It would only take a couple of bucks a month from each listener to keep this podcast and community going and growing into the future. Now on to the news. All right, so the big news of the day is U.S. inflation hitting 6.2% in October. That is the average price change among the commodities in the consumer price index compared to last year's prices is 6.2% higher. That's pretty high, and it's sticking around longer than expected. Clever listeners will already be thinking that some weird stuff was going on with the prices a year ago, so that's probably not the best time period to compare to, and you'd be right. But we've talked about that before. Today, we're going to dig into what's causing whatever price increases there are. And in a nutshell, supply. As you may recall, there was a pandemic last year, still is this year in fact, but in 2020, production took huge hits from sick workers and lockdowns at the same time that demand for various goods was thrown totally out of whack, further impacting supply. A lot of the economy kind of shut down and most people's lives were turned upside down. Also a whole lot of unfortunate and largely preventable deaths. Wild times, man. Hope you got a t-shirt. Point being, both demand and supply were thrown into chaos and that has consequences. Some products have thousands of components and disruptions to supply for any one of them can be a showstopper. For example, there was a surge in demand for semiconductor chips as the pandemic left far more people at home using and buying electronics far above their pre-pandemic rate. This increased demand has persisted as the pandemic has permanently altered the way that we live. However, while demand can change on a dime, ramping production, especially for semiconductor chips, is a long, complicated process. It requires the company being confident that demand will be sustained, building new factories, finding new employees, increasing the run rate on raw materials and component parts, many of which are also in short supply due to the pandemic. It's a whole mess. The chip shortage alone impacts hundreds of industries as seemingly everything has microchips these days. Electronics, appliances, computers, toys, phones, cars. In fact, the auto industry has been hit particularly hard. Cars have thousands of parts, making production highly vulnerable to supply chain disruption. Auto also saw increased demand in addition to reduced supply, which is how cars came to account for the biggest piece of the inflation pie. They are also vulnerable to shipping costs, which have skyrocketed. They've gone up as much as eight times for some businesses, along with massive delays. That alone could be a death knell. Stack it on top of whatever problems they're having finding parts as well. Every business relies on shipping, so shipping costs hit the price of almost everything. Then there's energy and fuel. Gasoline prices are soaring because OPEC, the oil cartel that controls most production of it, still has not restored oil production from what they dropped it to early in the pandemic. Energy and fuel also affect every business. That is a lot of disruption. It should be no surprise that prices are in flux. Now, a lot of people, particularly those pushing certain political narratives, want to ignore all of this and blame inflation on federal stimulus. 
That is a misleading oversimplification, but an easy one to sell, no pun intended. In reality, money printing does not cause inflation, not necessarily. Five seconds of critical thinking will dispel that misunderstanding. Print all the money you want, $50 trillion, and then destroy it or lock it away in a vault somewhere. Does that affect the economy in any way? No, because prices are determined by the balance of supply and demand for the product, and inflation is just an aggregate of prices. When supply outweighs demand for something, the price of it goes down. When demand outweighs supply, price goes up. And inflation tracks those price changes. It's been a long time since the gold standard when money itself was an asset with limited supply. Most of it isn't even physical anymore. It's just an intermediary that we use so that we don't have to exchange goods for goods. Even spending new money does not necessarily cause inflation. For instance, if the printed money goes to buying software, no inflation. Why? Because there is an unlimited supply of software. It's just digital copies. There's no cost or limit to producing more of it, so demand never outweighs supply. What about physical products? There's always a limit to that supply. That said, if you spend printed money on a product and the maker of that product can increase supply, they're going to do so and keep the cost the same, if not lower it, because that's how competitive markets work. If they don't, you will buy from their competitor who did. All this assumes no monopoly, of course, which is a whole other bag of worms. When consumers have options, prices stay low. When they don't, prices inflate. The one way that printing money can lead to inflation is if the spending of it reduces the supply of something and production of that thing is unable to grow, like you would see during a supply chain crisis. So yes, federal stimulus is likely exacerbating inflation slightly by allowing more people to express demand for a variety of things that have limited supply. That said, it's only a small part of the inflation we're seeing, and it helps people afford the price increases, basically coming out even, if not ahead. Moreover, the blame stimulus narrative leaves out the benefits of stimulus or what would have happened without it. Spoilers, would have been worse. Despite the worst recession since, and including, the Great Depression, the economy has mostly recovered at incredible speed. We've discussed those stats before. That would not have happened without the stimulus checks and employment insurance boosts shoring up sales and incomes and helping people stay home where they wouldn't spread the virus. Bottom line, the vast majority of the inflation is purely from supply chain disruption. A dollop on top may be from stimulus, but that is generally canceled out by the stimulus money itself. The remaining issue is supply, and you can see this clearly in monetary history. We've been printing money for decades, growing a deficit, and struggling against deflation, not inflation. The Fed has not been reaching the 2% inflation target they want, and inflation was at 1.2% at the end of last year, long after the first stimulus package. It did not spike until inventory of pandemic-impacted supplies ran out. China, Japan, and other countries have spending-to-GDP ratios higher than the U.S., and yet lower inflation. Japan's inflation has been negative in 2021. Then there's all the UBI trials with the new money producing negligible, sometimes negative inflation. Federal spending is not the problem here. In no sane world is the solution to deprive people of access to what they need. This pandemic has shown us a lot of things, the fragility of the global economy chief among them. If we want to solve inflation, printing is not the problem. It's supply that we need to fix. All that and more in the thread in the description. Please share it around. I spent a lot of time on it, and it's a more honest assessment than I'm often seeing. 
and this is important for people to understand, it undergirds a lot of federal policy, including UBI. If only people were as quick to accept truthful nuance as they are to accept false simplicity. Ah, what a world that would be. Well, now that we've worn out the topic of traditional currency, why not move on to the new kid in town, cryptocurrency? I can't remember if I've already covered this one, so we're doing it again. If I already talked about it, just play along and humor me, alright? What am I talking about? Oh, right. Comingle, the UBI app that's being developed that will connect to users' bank accounts, just like Cash App or other banking apps do, and automatically withdraw 7% of that week's income, then deposit into your account 7% of the average user's income. In other words, crowdsourced UBI. No deficit funding here, this is purely redistribution, but it would have the same great effects on participants and on the economy as a whole if enough people use it. It's basically financial insurance. When you're on a peak doing better than average, you give a little slice to those who aren't. When you're in a valley doing worse than average, you get some help. You never know when fate might reverse those roles either. And over time, you probably see the average income grow faster for users than non-users as those at the bottom get the support they need to improve their own situation and eventually help provide for others. Now, it is opt-in and pretty much based on trust, so I have some doubts whether it'll work, but I love the idea. But there also may be another way. Huge news for both crypto and UBI, Miami, Florida just announced that they will be distributing the yield from their new cryptocurrency, Miami Coin, to residents of the city. Or rather, it sounds like all citizens will be eligible, but they will need to go through the process of making a crypto wallet, which will unquestionably exclude a lot of people, similar to conditional welfare. I assume the reason that they aren't converting it to dollars is because that would devalue the asset. So it's not perfect, and it would also not be a steady yield. And we're still lacking details. I've only found one article from Scott, and it doesn't provide details, probably because they don't exist yet. So we don't know what percentage of the yield goes into this, or if it for sure is going to everyone. I also don't understand crypto very well, so I'm not sure how they made it a new coin that is also Bitcoin. But that's what the article says. I guess you can make sub-currencies? I don't know. All that said, this is a huge deal. Miami collected $21 million from their coin in just the last three months. Annualized, that's equivalent to about 20% of all their tax revenue. And it sounds like they are funneling that revenue into essentially an opt-in UBI. Now imagine if every city did that. Yeah, there are a ton of ways to fund UBI, and this is one that every city can do for free as far as I know. Contact your mayor and city hall and ask them why they are not doing the same. In fact, there's a Twitter account called Intercoin that claims to exist for exactly the purpose of helping cities and other communities do this. So be sure to point your city at them. They'll be far more likely to attempt it if they don't have to figure it out on their own. And that'll do it for today's Yang Daily. Bookmark and share the inflation thread, commingle, Miami coin, and contact your city about a city crypto dividend. Flood Congress with calls, tweets, faxes, and letters using the easy volunteer contacts below. If you need help, consult the Income Movement Aid Database, the Mission Asset Fund, or United Way. And don't forget to Yang Daily.